Hey guys, welcome back to Too Much Screen Time. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dave and Alex. And this week we're going to be talking about my favorite show, Euphoria. So to kick it off, I just want to say, Dave has watched this show because of me. And I'm so extremely grateful to Dave because he listens to my recommendations. Alex has seen the show, yes. And I am grateful that he has seen it. It is not because of me. It is because of TikTok but I'll let it go. <laughs> it is because of you, Shantae. Come on. Why do you always do that? I'm you, sorry. You planted the seed, but TikTok just watered the plants. Reinforced it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I'll let it go. Nonetheless, this is one of the hottest shows right now. I hear it's breaking records on HBO for the amount of ratings. What I think is ironic is even though the ratings are super high for the finale, I think that the reception has been generally low, which is why we've decided to name this episode Euphoria Finally Failed, but we'll get more into that later. Right now, I just want to hear general thoughts. What did you guys think of season two? So There are essentially two parts of this show that I feel like where it's at its best and where it's at its worst. I remember talking to you guys back in season one that I love the rawness of it. I love how deep and just very intimate that this show depicts very hard issues. But then with season two, it kind of loses some of that ground. Like it's, it, it, it's so outrageous and over the top and just wild, wild. So I feel like this season, there are a lot of, I feel like great things about it, but the the dramatics I feel like the pacing of this season was just all over the place I also feel like Sam Levinson likes to just start creating plot lines but he doesn't know how to finish them <laughs> so I mean there like I said there are a lot of good things it's always looking to look gorgeous the outfits are incredible even though I don't really think they're in, they're practical for a high school <laughs> <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. And the music, it's always fantastic too. But uh, I would have loved to see season two, which there are moments of, be a little bit more grounded like season one. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Dave. And I guess to give you guys some context, you know, I hadn't really watched season one of Euphoria. Just like Shantae said, you know, I, I didn't really get into the show up until right before episode one of season two. Because everyone was talking about their anticipation for season two. Everyone was hyping it up. So I was like, all right, you know, I have some time to kill. Let's uh, let's try to dive into season one. So I went straight from season one coming off the high. I thought that season one was phenomenal. And then dove right into like the next week of episode one of season two. And I just felt like it was uh, just like Dave said, you know, kind of the pace was all over the place. Um, I felt like they they abandoned a lot of the plot lines that were established in season one that were more grounded, um, and and I, and I just felt like yeah the season two had some epic moments had some you know really big uh, like wow uh, moments <clears throat> that really threw me off guard. Um, I gotta say I was I was entertained the entire time. However, I felt like season two fell flat for me. Um, as a whole. And I think that they focused in on things that just did not really make sense to kind of hone in on. And uh, they abandoned a lot of plot lines. And so I think overall, I think season two was 
uh, was a Debbie Downer for me. And um, I, I know that they renewed it for a season three. So I'm definitely excited to see kind of how they can correct their course. However, uh, season two just fell flat. Hmm. Well, first I want to thank you guys for keeping it vague. Cause I completely forgot to say that this episode is going to be filled with spoilers. So if you've listened this far and you don't want to hear any spoilers, I would say jump off, but yeah, you know, it's interesting. Cause I don't agree. I think aside from the finale, I would say that the, the season overall was a really slow decline for me, but even, you know, certain episodes there were, I just feel like everything I love about euphoria, they had it, they had the music, they had the visual effects. They had the, I, I, as someone who loves dialogue so much, I think this show has really powerful silence. And I think that's something I appreciated that we got to see with Rue is we got to really explore her addiction and we really got to see the detriment of that. And in season one, it was in and out and she was enjoying not being sober. But in this season, we saw her unravel. And that's something that I think I was always waiting for in season one, because uh, some people very close to me in my life are, have always been addicts. And I think that that is just to have a show completely centered around addiction and not to show uh, somebody just ruining their life. I feel like it's unrealistic and we got that this season and I think they did it justice. So I I do see where you guys are coming from. I just feel like I really enjoyed season two overall until the very end. But yeah, something that you said, Dave, the music, I just found out that Labyrinth has a full-on studio on set and he'll watch the scenes and then make the music based on that. And then sometimes Zendaya will come in and make music with him based on that. And I feel like you can feel and see that in this show. Wow. I know that the the song that many people didn't like that it was three and a half minutes uh-huh. in the finale, but that was written like that was co-written by Zendaya and Labyrinth, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. I mean, that's something that Euphoria totally has right. You know, like the soundtrack Mm -hmm. is remarkable. Like even season one, season two soundtrack is just so well done and so epic. And, um, and you can really tell that Labyrinth really like poured his heart and soul into this, into the sound and really knows and understands the tone that Sam Levinson is really trying to display with season two. So um, yeah, I agree. I think that the sound was really, really good. I think, um, I mean, I'm glad that you had a great time with season two, Shantae. I think that's awesome. Like I, I too was really like, I enjoyed it. Like I thought it was entertaining. However, I just had a hard time looking past some of the uh, pitfalls that season two kind of fell into. And mm-hmm. so it kind of pulled me out of the enjoyment of certain things because of that. But it's great to hear that you enjoyed season two. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the music at all. I think the biggest issue here, and like I said, he does some great things and there are some great moments of dialogue and character interactions. But Sam Levinson just, I feel like has so many ideas of things that he wants to do and character interactions that he wants to have that he just either A, forgets them or B is like, well, we'll take care of this maybe in another season if we get the green light. And you're just left with, and also what Alex said, he hones in on specific characters to highlight and then completely forgets about other characters, not just for an episode. He forgets about characters for like an entire season. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. 
Yeah. I wanted to address some of the, the cast criticism, which I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to see, but there's tons of interviews and articles that have come out where a lot of the cast has talked about not feeling comfortable with the amount of nudity that's asked of them. And thankfully Sam Levinson has been really receptive. They have come forward and asked, you know, can we maybe cut that scene or if it's, is this necessary? He's been extremely receptive, no argument in cutting it out, but people still say we're watching a show about teenagers and a lot of times they're naked. So what is this really exploring? What do you guys think about that? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a great point. I, I, I remember reading an article about Sydney Sweeney in particular, who came forward about it. Um, She's the one who plays Cassie because obviously in a lot of her scenes, she is naked, like topless and, and a lot of the scenes are like slow-mo and they like hone in and they zoom in. And it honestly feels a little weird, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest. <laughs> I kind of felt like Sam Levinson had a low-key crush on Sydney Sweeney when he was filming season two. Um, but I know that she came forward because she, uh, uh, like behind the scenes, she would, you know, read the script and go up to Sam and be like, hey, like, why do I need to be topless in this scene? Like, it makes no sense. It adds nothing to the story. It adds nothing to the scene why do I need to be topless here? And so he's like, oh yeah, you're right. Like I'll take it out. So he was really receptive to that. But um, I agree. I think that it is very excessive. You know, I think this show in general is very excessive in, in all the different displays of, uh, you know, erotic uh, drug use, sex, you know, um, uh, just violence. It, it's very over the top and exaggerated. And um, I'm not really sure kind of what, uh, Sam Levinson is really trying to go with it or HBO in general, you know, HBO is a, a platform that has tons of nudity in all of their shows, but I think euphoria stands out in particular as one that is just way too excessive, especially when we're talking about teenagers here. Yeah, Alex, I, I completely agree. I think that something that I'm interested to see is if in season three, some of that stuff is toned down, because I think if people are criticizing it, if your cast are coming to you and saying, Hey, why is this happening? If he's going to learn how to tell a story, maybe with less. Yeah. We saw that a lot too. You mentioned HBO game of Thrones is a big example of this. When game of Thrones came out, it was like every other scene was full on nudity, specifically around Amelia Clark, who kind of like Sydney Sweeney really started to shine like in the, the, in their show. Right. But they were nude in almost every scene, but Amelia Clark, she eventually was able to either put it in her contract or express that, no, we're not going to be doing this every single time I'm on screen. So I hope, and I'm glad that Sydney Sweeney's already stepping up in just one season calling out. And I also appreciate, like you had mentioned, I didn't know this, that Sam Levinson is like, okay, if we're, we don't need nudity in this scene um, and listens to what she says. For sure. Well, I do want to know what are some of the things in season two that you guys loved? Good question. You know, I, I gotta say, I, I honestly loved the season opener. Um, the, the whole new year's Eve party, uh, supposedly actually that's a little controversy too, that I was reading, um, from some of the cast and crew because, you know, Sam Levinson supposedly never came to set with like a whole list of shots that he wanted, which is typical for directors. So, so because of that, it made the days like 17 hours long of filming. And so when they were filming the first episode, they filmed it over like weeks yeah. uh, and they were only able to film at night. 
and the cast was like exhausted and they would film like 14 hour, like from 5 PM till 5 AM, you know, just like these really long nights that they would be filming these scenes and doing these like distinct shots. But I gotta say it was like an awesome episode <laughs> and it, I think it worked out because man, it ends with such a bang, you know, Fez knocking the crap out of Nate, which everyone wants to do, right? Everyone right. wants to be Nate's my Nate favorite character. What are you talking no. about? You better Nate, stop right now. If in 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 a, in a spectrum of goodness, you have Nate <laughs> pretty much heavenly, right? <laughs> He's uh, that's the, that's that's the gold standard okay so <laughs> i was absolutely devastated i wanted him to fight fez back <laughs> <laughs> no way man i was i was super hyped when that moment happened because that caught me off guard they're like toasting i'm like all right yeah maybe fez is like kind of over it and then he just breaks the bottle over his head starts smashing him i was like some of us have been waiting it. years to see nate oh, yes. get his butt whooped years seriously and then like uh sydney Swin or cassie and maddie have to like drag him like his bloody corpse off of the dance floor i was like yes finally um so that was a really satisfactory moment i loved episode one i think that was um one that really got me and then another one of my favorite moments and i'll let uh my co-host share as well is um I, I loved like after that, where we kind of honed in on Cal a little bit more, which I thought was really cool. Um, we had this really good episode where we had a nice Cal backstory and kind of learned more about like how he got to where he's at now and how he's had to hide his identity, hide who he truly wants to be. And, um, and then it kind of goes into him trying to track down the person who did this to Nate and, um, and he has this stare down with Fez in the in the um, little gas station convenience store, and you're like, oh my gosh, this Cal is about to pull out this gun and and kill Fez. But then Ashtray is over by the sodas, pulling out a gun out of the uh, Cheerios box. I'm like, what is happening? I it was such a just like you said, Shantae. The movie does so much with silence. That was a silent moment that lasted what felt like eternity. That you're like, oh my gosh, something's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And that had me on the edge of my seat. I was all for it. Um, so that was a pretty epic moment. Can we just pour one out for Ashtray before we <laughs> before before we go any further? I mean, that that I mean he did he did kill a police officer though in the show. Let's be very clear. But he's just been set up for failure so many times in his life and he cares so much about Fez and just watching him get gunned down and seeing Fez, Fez's reaction. That's one of my favorite moments um, just because of the sure acting, especially from a, a guy like Fez who euphoria, if I'm not mistaken, is his first acting job, right? That's like the first yeah. thing that he's ever done, but you wouldn't be able, it looks like he's been going to school, drama schools and doing theater for years, just the amount of passion. And I don't know, it just, it's, he's just phenomenal. And so I, I love that, but I think I'm going back to like the initial review the softer moments, the more intimate moments. That's, uh, that's something that I really love when Sam hones in on and an example of that. And I'm, I wish we would have got more of him this season is Ali specifically Ali. When he goes to dinner and meets with Rue's family and talks to Gia, another character that we really don't see that much of, especially in the latter half of the season. But um, I remember Anselm and I were talking about this and kind of how this show's commentary, what it says about siblings of the characters who are struggling, like Gia with Rue or maybe Lexi with Cassie, 
and how they're just kind of sidelined or forgotten. But Ali for like the, he's like the first person to really have a conversation with Gia, ask her how she's doing and say, it's okay to be angry at Rue for what she's doing and how the pain that she's caused you. And then he then turns to, maybe it's a little bit later, he turns to the mom and says, you really need to go in and check on Gia to, because she definitely needs it. So I loved, uh, that was one of my favorite moments because I feel like that 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 could have just been missed. We, we wouldn't have even had a line. We wouldn't have even thought about it. But there's probably like someone who is a sibling of drug addiction, I'm sure goes through what Gia, what we see with Gia on this screen. And to have Ali actually take the time to talk to her was just, I think, it was amazing. It was one of the best pieces of screenwriting that he does, that Sam Levinson did. And it was one of my favorite moments of the season. Definitely. Yeah. I think as a whole, I would say the episode where Rue is just really spiraling and we see her go and steal. We see her running from the cops. We see her running away. She doesn't want to go to rehab. And then ultimately it all leads to her having that huge fight with her family, with Jules, with Elliot. I just feel like that felt so close to home. Um, I, I mean, I've had those arguments with addicts. I've worked with tons of addicts. And I think I just can't emphasize enough what it's like to watch somebody you love say things that you hope they don't mean and go places that you hope you, you would hope that they would never need to go resorting to things you wouldn't want them to do. Even watching the episode, I, as I was watching it, I'm like, this feels like an A24 movie. And it wasn't until the credits that I saw A24 is on the project, which to be honest, I did not know that, but I felt it just, I feel like, um, like the high stakes of what is she doing? What's going to happen next? And to be honest, I thought it was all going to crash and burn. So it didn't ultimately lead to a lot, but just watching the journey, it was emotional for me. I just, I feel like honestly, I was having my own flashbacks and that's what I feel like. It's nice to see something that is not as beautiful and artsy, which feels therefore unrealistic, but it felt raw and real. And I just, I was sitting there, can you imagine being her mom in that situation or being Jules or even Jules response over and over? I love you. I love you. She's screaming in her face. I love you. I love you. I just, I've not had that reaction. And when I've experienced similar things and I just feel like so raw and powerful. When I think of season two, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah. That was definitely like an Emmy winning episode for Zendaya. Honestly, like I thought that she poured her heart and soul into that episode and it's very clear. And honestly, if you watch that episode and you weren't feeling emotional, please check your pulse because (laughs) I felt like it was remarkable. And, and just like you were saying, you know, I, I I loved how that, that big fight that they were having in, in throughout the house, you know, it starts off where she's like, trying to lie she's trying to like lie her way out of it like no i'm not doing drugs i'm just smoking weed and then she's getting caught in her lie and she turns to anger and frustration lashing out mm-hmm. breaking down a door and then it turns to like crying and like apologizing and then manipulating i'm telling you hears so Jewel, realistic and then she hears jules voice and then she sees elliot there and it she explodes it was just like whoever you know uh, Sam and, and Zadea obviously partnered really well on that episode because it was 
so realistic, so grounded, like you were saying, and honestly, like really had me in tears. And I think that that is for sure, like an Emmy winning episode for her, no doubt. I also just want to shout out Fez and Lexi. Come on, that storyline. Who saw that coming? No, definitely not me. I mean, that's something that I also really enjoyed as well. Not going to lie with this season is I'm so glad that they first honed in on Lexi because she was my favorite character from season one. From the moment that in season one, she showed she shows up to the Halloween party dressed as Bob Ross. I was she like, I heart. love this girl. She <laughs> had my heart. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, but uh, I'm so glad that they honed in on her character because she kind of is like this wallflower, just like this bystander who's observing everything that's happening throughout season one. And what better way to display that than like in a play, you know, and and have her write it out and have her act it out and and cast out characters and basically be the narrator for everything that's happening around her. And I loved how they did that. And particularly, I did love the Lexi Fezco relationship, especially in episode one. I was like, oh, they're so cute, connecting on the couch. And then when Fez goes up and beats up Nate, she just like gives him this look as like, oh my gosh, who are you? But like, it was kind of like a look of like, who are you? But also I'm intrigued. Uh, Can I save you? (laughs) I'll text you. Yeah. She also goes to warn him at the the grocery, the uh the gas station. She's in that same gas station when Cal shows up. But yeah, I think that 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 was that was really cool because did did you ever imagine those two interacting like no. in your wildest dreams? So no. I feel like that goes again back to Sam Levinson because that 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 is realistic with high school too, right? Where you meet someone at a party, you sit down and have a conversation with them. And then you go on and to the point where you're up all night, like Fez was doing, sitting on his side, texting, texting Les, uh, Lexi until like two or 3 a.m. Just having a great time, which then he's playing with our heartstrings to set up that finale um, that we all see with Fez's life. We don't know what happened. Is he dead? Is he going to die? Is he going to survive? Is he, is, he's he's going to go to prison probably. And what that's going to do for season three with Lexi. But yeah, it was, I like, I like the um, spontaneity of it. Yeah, I was in it. So I appreciate that you brought up that Lexi finally got her screen time this season, but you're right. A lot of the criticism of the show is that a few people did not get their screen time. And I'm talking about Kat. Now, I don't know if you guys know, but apparently Kat was supposed to be in this season two way more. She actually had a storyline where she was going to have an eating disorder. And the real life actress, Barbie, uh, is a body positive influencer. And she's a really big advocate for being uh, plus size and being healthy. And she did not want her character to have to go through that storyline. But apparently was not able to come to an agreement with Sam Levinson, causing her to walk out twice on set. And rumor has it is that's why her character has been pulled back to barely being in the show and even having a really erratic storyline with her boyfriend. So I can't verify all of this is true, but this is certainly what I've read. So I'm hoping that's not true because that's heartbreaking. But I was wondering, have you guys heard about that? What do you think? I didn't hear about the news of the walking, the walking off, but mm-hmm. that's the first thing I noticed. And what, what's very unfortunate about that is that she, not, not only in this show, Kat is one of the most interesting characters in any TV show that I've ever seen. And her storyline in season one and where it was going with body positivity. And she was trying to figure out everything. 
there was so much you could do with that in season two, but to make her just like Maddie's friend in mm-hmm. season two was such a slap in the face. It was, it was just, I mean, it reminded me of that scene in the Godfather where Don Corleone's son is killed. And he's like, look at how they massacred my boy. That's, that's exactly how I felt. It was just, it was, it was absurd. It was, it, it, yeah. I, if they don't correct that in season three, people better riot because it was, it was just so terrible. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, but she had a really, I thought a really funny and extremely entertaining scene this season where she's in her bedroom talking to all those influencers in her head. You guys remember that? Yeah. That was super funny. So now I'm wondering, okay, well, if this, this whole storyline is true, this eating disorder, was that the beginning of that? And then he cut it off or did he, was that like a slap in the face scene? I don't understand. I think it goes back to, cause I would be happy uh, to talk about other plot lines that this, that Sam Levinson sets up and just completely <laughs> either disregards or yeah, just let's go. But she was the most interesting character besides Rue in Euphoria. And it's just, it was just, yeah, it was just so stupid. And I don't know why she was sidelined, but that needs to be course corrected real quick. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it's, it's really tough too, because I, I felt like in season one, her plot wasn't like just, div- wasn't just like set up. Like she had a great, like over, overarching like storyline where she like character development where she you know was kind of discovering her sexuality discovering her love for herself and um and at the end of the season one she kind of did you know like she became like a cam girl and then she also like um uh found this guy ethan who is like this really cool guy but like he like also sidelined likes her also Also sidelined in season two another interesting character that we don't get to see anything of in the next season. Yeah, exactly. But I just felt like her storyline was in season two. It was like a massive regression from um, how she's progressed in season one, you know, like she uh, understands herself. She is comfortable with herself. And then all of a sudden in season two, she's like having these like questions and she's questioning Ethan and all these different, and like her, her, like connection with him and all these things that I was just like, it just didn't feel warranted based mm-hmm. off of where we left her in season one. Yeah. Talk about or that natural. weird, talk about that weird lie that she does and that they like wrote out for her to do. I, if, I can't imagine that the actress agreed with the script that she got in that diner scene where she has to like say, Oh, I'm dying in like three weeks. And that's why we need to break up and then just completely gaslights him and makes him the bad guy. There is no way that she thought that that was that that was the direction that her character needed to take this season yeah it's really unfortunate I feel like like you mentioned one of the many 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 horrible plot lines one of the ones I wanted to bring up and I'm mostly asking you guys what the heck happened with Lori I thought we have the same question (laughs) what the heck happened with Lori right (laughs) I thought especially the last time we saw Lori Zen, uh, or I'm sorry, Rue was taking a bath in her house. Lori was taking care of her. And, you know, all we've seen of Lori this far is her, what is it? Sociopath or just very monotone way of saying, Hey, listen, you you better get me your money, my money. And she would say these sinister things like, I'm going to get my money one way or another. I'll sell you to bad people. 
uh, oh, well, the good thing about being a girl is someone's always going to want something from you. And that builds up to her giving Rue a bath when she's relapsing. Rue sneaks out. We never hear from her again. I really thought the finale was going to kind of end with a cliffhanger. Like maybe Rue gets kidnapped or gets, you know, taken back by Lori, but we just never hear anything again. So do you guys know something I don't know or what happened? And it goes completely against her character with everything that you said. And also, was it the first episode or the last episode in the first season? I binged it. So it's hard for me to remember (laughs) where like people were killed in her house. Was it, was that the first episode of this season? Yeah. Right. And here she is giving Rue all of this money to do some like project of blackmailing high school students to sell drugs or to sell drugs to or something that never, that plot line never happened. She just the, the, the suitcase of money just sits there for weeks until it's finally uh, get gotten rid of by her mother. So that's one thing, but you're telling me this person who just said all of these things that you just mentioned, Shantae, we've seen her kill people. She just lets that go. There is absolutely no way that that would happen. And and I thought, like you said, that it would be at the very end or there would be at the end of to set up season three. But doesn't Rue say at the very end of the episode that she stayed clean for the rest of the school year? Yeah. So now we know that more time has passed. So <laughs> this so nothing. So, comes so nothing. And that's what I keep. That's what I'm saying about this season two. Great ideas but terrible pacing plot lines that you're not going to see anything. And now if Sam tries to bring that back, it's just going to seem weird. Yeah. I imagine if I asked Sam, Hey, what happened to Lori? He would say, who's Lori. That's how I feel. But she was an interesting character, right? Just like Kat. She was, that was an interesting plot line, but instead we spent six episodes talking about Maddie and Cassie, which is a big issue for me. Uh, Sydney Sweeney is an amazing actress. She's a meme queen. Now she's, she's everywhere, but she got her character and Maddie's character got way too much screen time this season on things that just weren't important. Like Maddie's whole storyline with this woman that she babysits for. What was that about? Why, why, why did it matter? Even the way they shot it seemed a little sinister where I thought, what are we going to find out about this lady? Nothing. She gives her a purple dress and that's it. So another plot line that was totally axed in season two that really had me like kind of frustrated was uh, McKay's character, like Chris McKay, who is played by Algie Smith. Right, guys? Because I forgot about that guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, but I don't think that you were really. Yeah, like I don't even think that you were meant to forget about him because in season one, doesn't Cassie have like an abortion? Like and then you just totally abandon like that morning that she's feeling and that loss and then that relationship with with uh with mckay and i think the last that we see of him was in the first episode of season two where he shows up to the new year's eve party but then that's it right like that's it and and that's all we see of mckay but his character has gone through a lot right like he is in college but he's he's dealt with this crazy hazing that has traumatized him he's losing his um ability to play you know college sports lost his girlfriend to his best friend and they're just going to totally abandon him completely in season two so I don't know. I felt like that was a plot line that uh, I, I would have loved to see corrected. And I think it's going to be too late to correct it in season three because a lot of those big events have already happened. Right. So that leads us to the very end of our season. I want to hear what your guys's deep thoughts on the finale are overall. Was it a letdown? Were you satisfied? I feel like we already know the answer, but please elaborate. 
you're a big Lexi fan, Alex. I want to hear what you have to say first, because this was her this was her big moment. Yeah, like I haven't seen much of her work, but like this was viewed by like what 16 million people. It was the second highest viewed show behind Game of Thrones. So I would love to hear what you thought that is it Maud Apatow? Is that the, the name of the actress? Yeah. Yeah. How she did and how Lexi was in this this finale. Oh, it's tough, man. It's really tough because I, I loved her. I thought that she is a phenomenal actress. Like she honestly, like she really carries her scenes really well and d- displays a whole range of emotion and is very subtly funny as well in like a really good way. And um, and you know, it's tough to kind of judge the finale because it is kind of like a part two, right? Because part one was like the first half of the play. And then here we get with the finale of the play and the finale of the season. And honestly, I was super let down from the finale, uh, especially with how the part one, you know, the previous episode ended where Cassie is, you know, just broke up with Nate and she's like breathing heavy in the mirror uh, about to do something. And then, you know, the, you feel the police creeping up on Fez and you're like, Oh my gosh, what's happening here. And then, uh, the finale was just a huge downer to me. It, it felt like a big buzzkill because, um, I mean, we have this like really stupid fight with the girls up on the play stage and people are like, wait, is this part of the play? <laughs> I don't know. Is it a really quick though with that? <laughs> when, when Maddie hits Cassie's head off the wall, <laughs> like she pushes her head and it hits off the brick wall. That was some of the funniest stuff that I've ever seen. <laughs> it was really good. I love that. Or, I mean, she smacks her hard too in the, in the back on the backstage, but uh, I don't know that that fight lasted way too long. And that whole um, interaction was taking, because honestly, you have to think about this, right? Because every bit of screen time on this show is so valuable and you're going to devote it to this big, like stupid fight that these girls are going to have like running around on this place on this play stage. And then also you're going to have Elliot sing this like three and a half minute long song with like two bridges and a chorus like why do we need to have that um in this episode when just like you were saying Shantae we have all these like huge plot holes that we could just devote maybe even 30 seconds and totally clear up a pothole have Lori show up and kidnap Rue or have have Lori like pull up to the uh school and then be like yeah you know I'll, I'll turn around something as simple as that could really help kind of like alleviate some of these plot holes but I felt like the finale was just a huge buzzkill. I didn't like what they did with Nate's character, like telling on his dad and like somehow he's a hero for catching a pedophile, but Nate's a horrible person himself. And they're going to, I, it was just so confusing. I was just honestly really confused with how they just kind of took all of the characters and tried to end it really quickly. It felt really abrupt. And even with Jules going up to Rue in the play and then rude is like getting up like kissing her on the forehead and leaving it just was really confusing and um i gotta say it see it, it just didn't pay off for the way season two was headed so it was a downer for me i also like because i was talking about uh mod apato that interaction that she had with cassie where cassie basically says you are just a bystander and you're only doing this because you don't know what it's like to live and to love and just the the amount of pain that that went to uh, Lexi's character, I thought that that was just a really, again, there are moments of this show where there is really great screenwriting when things get very intimate and very raw and not the over-the-topness of like that fight that lasted five minutes 
um, between the girls. So I really, I really love that interaction between Cassie and Lexi. I thought that was really good. I, I didn't really like the, uh, the reveal to the school of um, Nate's homosexuality. I thought that that was from a, it was just a very weird writing decision. It was kind of like ironic homophobia, but I don't know if anybody would like could take that the wrong way, but it just seemed like it left, it left a bad taste in my mouth of how they, like how they handled that in the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of doesn't make sense for Lexi's character. Like, well, what's what, why, what does it benefit her? Yeah. And that's, that's what I was wondering, like how surreal this last episode was, right? Where first off the budget for any of this high school play (laughs) is just absurd. (laughs) Like anyone that's ever done anything in musical theater knows that you can never pull off half of the stuff that you see in this, in this musical, but that's neither here nor there. We also got to see Ethan shine, which we hadn't seen in like seven episodes. So that was cool. But yeah, I agree. It was just, it was very bizarre. I can understand she's a bystander, but the way she just went after people without any kind of mercy just didn't vibe well with me with how like easygoing, laid back and sweet and kind that she is. So it was, it was, it was very, it was very bizarre. And again, it, it was it, like you said, Shantae, it thought out of character. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like even the scene where she has Cassie like on the pony on the merry-go-round, like was she just trying to embarrass her sister? Like it felt like it was less and less about her trying to make a point and more just trying to like have a spotlight, which I don't really see from Lexi. I just see that as uh, a grabby thing for Sam to put in. But I do feel like it got more and more like a soap opera. Like, you know, how long the scene was where the girls are, oh, well, take, well, like on the stage, I felt like it was too much. Over the top and dramatic, exactly. And I felt the same with Nate and Cal's last scene together before the cops show up, where Nate shows up with a gun and, and it's silent. And it just is so much emphasis on what's about to happen is, is Nate about to kill him? Is he going to kill himself? What's going on? And again, I just felt like anticlimactic and even what they chose to say, I didn't quite really understand. Well, what's on that? I thought he destroyed everything. And what does this mean? He's just putting him in jail. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I just feel like it really became a soap opera. The last episode for me overall, and that kind of cryptic, ending monologue for Rue, the way that she's speaking, she's saying like, I stayed clean the rest of that summer. Da, da. It's almost like, okay, is she dead? Like, is she looking back? Is she just reminiscing at this point? And I couldn't even tell you what the last scene is. It was so unmemorable. <laughs> even going back to the play too, like how crazy is it that Lexi never talked to any of her friends about this when she's displaying some of like the most vulnerable <laughs> moments of them in real life on this on the play I, I like even just like Rue's uh like eulogy right like her um her monologue about like her dad's passing I'm like wow that's a pretty uh intimate thing to now just be displaying to your whole high school class uh about Rue you know or even just like their own personal conversation that they had like my, my point is why hasn't, why didn't Lexi talk to any of them about this? Like that she was planning on displaying this to her whole high school. Uh, that was just honestly unbelievable. I mean, even just like the last, uh, or the whole fight that they have on the play stage, where are any of the adults, the right. mom has to come out of the audience and break it up. <laughs> like where are the teachers who are, who's running this play? <laughs> They're non-existent. It looks like the students run the school, Alex. There are no teachers. <laughs> 
So here's hoping that season three is a lot better. I think you guys are right. There's too many plot holes to redeem them all, but maybe, maybe with the new directions, we'll, we'll be able to have some redemption. Not going to lie to you after the finale. I don't have high hopes for season three. I will absolutely be watching though. Especially after the two or three year gap. Wasn't it like a three year gap? So there was a lot of time to write the script over Mm -hmm. COVID over COVID, right? And the special episodes between one and two are phenomenal. They like you, I don't think you watched them yet, Alex, have you? No, not yet. No. They're oh my gosh. They're because it was a small, it had to be a small set because of COVID. It goes back to those grounded, intimate moments that make season one of Euphoria so such a um, expertly written show that you don't get in season two. So I would highly recommend anyone that hasn't seen the specials go back and watch those too. Yeah. Yeah. I think in season three, honestly, the need of focusing on Gia, like I, I would be totally satisfied if they just scrapped the Rue and focus in on Gia and like her upbringing and her uh, adolescence. Right. Because just all of that we've seen of Gia so far is just trauma and pain and watching her sister go through this. But then we see a little bit of her kind of dipping her toe into, you know, certain things. Right. And so I would love to kind of see, and she's a phenomenal actress too. I would love yeah. to see them explore Gia's character more. Um, even just give her a couple episodes to really develop her character um, and her relationship with Rue, right? I think that would be awesome. I mean, even the mom said it in uh, when, when she was laying down on the bed with Rue. She's like, hey, Rue, like if I have to choose between you losing one daughter or losing two, I'm going to lose one. And she's like, I'm going to focus in on Gia. And Zendaya's like, okay, I understand. I, I want more of Elliot singing and playing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so if we yeah, can, so inco- sad. they gave him so little time. And I, apparently he like laughed it off because memes were pouring in and people were just like <laughs> going off on Twitter and Instagram about how absurd a four, it was three minutes and like 30 seconds of him playing that song. So if we can get an original song every single episode in season three, <laughs> I'm definitely tuning in. Well, guys, this has been the finale recap of Euphoria. Make sure you come back next week because we are going to be covering, drum roll. What are we covering, Alex? The Batman. <laughs> can, can we get your best I Am Vengeance? <laughs> Put on the spot. I'm Vengeance. That wasn't bad. That for bad. for the first time going into it just on the spot like that, I like that, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, keep watching those.